0: Hi, I'm Dr. Julie Humphreys and I'm Natasha Whitehurst. Hello. And- as you know by now, here at DNI Spy, we like to uncover what's really going on in the world of equality, diversity, and inclusion. And in today's episode, we're going to be exploring how Generation Z and particularly those that identify as LGBTQ+ feel about work.
1: And we are joined by Pepi Sapal, uh, Senior PR and Content Director at MyG Work. Pepi is also founder of Fa- and director of Fair Play Talks um, and has been writing and researching diversity, business, management, and HR internationally for the past two decades. A huge welcome, Pepi.
0: Welcome.
2: Thank you for inviting me, Natasha and Julie.
0: You're very welcome. I love your, uh, your lilt, first of all. Where are you from? Is that, is that a Midlands lilt?
2: I actually am a northerner. By- a northerner. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yes,
1: they <laughs> <Big> up <laughs> whereabouts in the north. On the
2: outskirts of Birmingham. So I was born in Walsall.
0: Oh, that's that's the Midlands. I'm I'm taking that. Oh, that's not north.
2: <laughs> that's the Midlands. Um, yeah, I'm North Birmingham,
0: so <laughs> North that's of the M twenty five. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, welcome. It's great to have you here. And we've actually known each other for a number of years and it's the first time we've actually physically met. So it's lovely to actually
1: finally meet you.
2: Yes. It's been it's an absolute pleasure to meet both of you actually. Natasha have met um, a few times now with my work
1: yeah it's been a we we get to get together quite a lot socially right yes yes of course
2: and 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 julie um yeah it's an absolute pleasure to finally meet you (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah it feels like we've been talking for years as I, uh,
1: as I kept saying, she is much, uh, much scarier in, in real life. But, you know, <laughs> we move. Um, I'm really keen for us to kick off. So you've done some um, research recently around the kind of next generation. Um, you spoke, Julie, in the intro about Generation Z. Um, tell us, like, where, where did that research come from? So there's been lots of research
2: done around uh, Generation Z. But... Um, by, from various recruitment agencies um, and um, diversity organisations like Work, which is the business platform for LGBTQ plus professionals. Um, there's a huge interest in Gen Z at the moment, um, especially in the DEI space, so the device the, the diversity equity inclusion space because um, recent research from LGBTq plus charity Stonewall um, suggested that around a quarter of Gen Z identify as LGBTq plus
0: so let's let's jump in there and try and um, break down what Gen Z is first so can you um, explain how old they are what generation they are from
2: so we're looking at um graduates um and those around 18 to 26 i believe who are coming into the workplace now
0: so born around 2000 something like that
1: yes oh my goodness okay it makes me feel old <laughs> <laughs> and i know i shouldn't say that you shouldn't use one. <laughs> <laughs> oh i remember the millennium <laughs> i've turned into that person <laughs>
0: So this is this was sort of groundbreaking research. Then it felt like when we read it.
2: Yes. So basically, um, what my G work did was we um, we hold various events, and every year we do Work Fair, uh, which is a recruitment um, event for LGBTQ plus professionals and graduates, and we have lots of graduates attending. The event because we have um, companies um, who are inclusive um, showcasing their organizations and um, posting their jobs at our uh, annual event. And so we tend to get thousands of people who turn up from around the world um, to um, look at what job postings are available at inclusive organizations. So before the event this year, we did a survey to find out, um, you know, what LGBTQ plus Gen Z um, expect from the workplace. So we focused our survey um, in the US and the UK.
0: And why was that?
2: Well, because you know um, it was it was international, but most of the respondents were happened to be from the UK okay. and the US because most of um, yeah most of our most of our um, your members members are from um, the US and the UK, but we are um, actually um, so most of our members are actually uh, from around the world. But um, the huge um, the huge majority who actually participated in the survey were from the UK and the US. Okay. So,
0: yeah. And you had over 700 participants, so that's a really good number.
2: We had 703 participants, excellent. which was excellent. Um, and we had some um, really great findings. And I think one of the biggest eye-openers for us was that 6 out of 10, so over 6 out of 10, 66% said that they would be prepared to leave an organisation mm. if they couldn't be out at work
0: so that uh, would you say that was your your an, an unexpected finding, or were there feelings that that might come out?
2: I think it was expected because um, if you look at other research that comes out um, in terms of um, what Gen Z and and even millennials millennials look for when they when they look for a new job they want to work for inclusive organisations so there's lots of research out there now that suggests that if you're not um, you know if you if you don't have diversity and inclusion policies and you're not um, you know walking and um, talking what you're suggesting your policies then they don't want to join you and they're not likely to stay Mm. so I think you know you have to go above and beyond um, saying that you're diverse and inclusive if you want to you know not only attract this segment but if you want to really retain them
1: Mm. so going back to so before you even started you know I think specifically around uh, organizations now are very focused on data and I think we're everyone's starting to realize that that's really really important but to get a really good data set, you almost need to kind of go right the way back and look at categories and think about, you know, how people are going complete, complete to um, complete the survey. So how did you come up with the or, or what did you base your, what was your reference point, I suppose, for the categories that you used? Because looking at the research, you can see there's there's obviously lots of categories that people could kind of identify with, one being asexual which kind of presents actually quite highly, and we can come on to that in a moment, but keen to know what the reference point was for those categories. So the
2: reference points were what you find on most recruitment applications. So when, you, um, you know, when people apply for a job, I think those are the main categories that, um, that a lot of companies state on their employment sheets. So um, that's, what, that's what the categories are based on.
1: Okay. Fair enough, yeah,
0: that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So so one of the questions was about how LGBTQ plus students identify. Um, and there was a sort of a large per, um, percentage identifying as asexual. That That's, was interesting.
2: That was a really interesting find. Uh, we found that the uh, th- that in terms of identifying, um, in terms of with one of the acronyms under the LGBTQ plus umbrella, the same amount, I think it was almost a quarter, mm. identified as asexual, which was the same amount as people identifying as um, bisexual, which mm. was a really interesting mm. find.
0: Yeah, so so more y- you have more bisexual and asexual respondents. So those together were forty two percent, and that was more than than gay women and gay men um, combined, which was thirty six odd percent. So that's that's really interesting.
2: That was a really interesting find for us, and I think um, that piqued the interest of many many mm. companies. Mm. Yes, mm.
0: and pansexual, sort of nearly ten percent, um, and also I mean. So, so absolutely, Natasha was just saying about companies are taking more interest in having data now. And, and from our perspective, uh, from where I am at REACH, we are doing a huge drive around collecting data. And one of the, the problem areas is the prefer not to say because you have to build a lot of trust. You have to show what you're using that data for. And, and, and the, f- the numbers of people who preferred not to say in this um, sur- survey was nearly 6%, which, which I find quite high. So even though you were targeting um, this very, this very specifically to a community, you still had people who were preferring not to say.
2: Yes. Um and that could be for uh, various reasons. I mean, sometimes when you're, especially when you're in that age group, you, you still might be confused and mm-hmm. you haven't come to terms with um, how you identify. So all that, although that number sounds high, um, I think, you know, there's a good reason for that. And I think maybe some people are still confused. Uh, and, and, you know, some people also don't want to say. Yeah. And that's not just... For you know whether you're LGBTQ plus. I know that in terms of race, um, you know I know that um, sort of my son he's um, mixed of mixed race, and I think he also prefers not to say because none of the categories <laughs> that he belongs to appear mm-hmm. on on recruitment forms. So um, I think it, it's not just uh, LGBTQ plus. I think it I think a lot of people people prefer not to say on various mm-hmm. personal know yeah.
1: personal uh, circumstances it's a tricky one isn't it because to actually be able to kind of accommodate and make sure that everyone feels represented you you could almost have surveys and data sets and categories that just go for for forever, forever. yeah <laughs> um yeah. but yeah I, I mean I really picked up on that asexual piece that really stood out to me and um I researched and went as always, to um, you know, out in, to look at that because that's not a term or word or or reference that I'd actually really kind of got into much and looked at Stonewall as an example, um, who said that asexuality is a spectrum, um, and that it, it would reference somebody who um does not experience sexual attraction to anyone. Um, and a gr- a grey asexual person may experience sexual attraction very rarely or only under specific circumstances. So again, just didn't you know? Mm. Even within ase- within asexuality, there is then even a breakdown of breakdown. that. Yeah.
0: yeah, interesting. So one of the findings also that um, we we were talking about before before you came in was about this eighty seven percent. So really high percentage of people who would be more inclined um, to be out at work from day one if they know that their employer is truly committed to inclusion so that for, for me that was really interesting we mm. talk about as I said before and um, what does what does truly committed to inclusion mean?
2: Okay so yes that was a really interesting finding because um, if you look at other surveys um, they will say that a lot of people um, especially when they start A new job, and they identify as LGBTQ+. They often have to go back into the closet because you know they don't know how they will be perceived by their colleagues. So um, that finding, so that's almost nine out of ten graduates um, would like would prefer to be out at work. Um,
0: So, so and they've said that they wanted to be. Um, their true, their employer to be truly committed. So I know I mean, what does truly
1: committed yeah, look like.
0: Yeah.
2: So that that there's a variety of things that companies can be doing to show that they're truly committed. Um, you know. The first and the most obvious thing I would say is that they would need, um, you know, to have a zero tolerance uh, discrimination policy. So, you know, reassuring, um, especially new hires, that they don't um, have to return to the closet by, by having this zero tolerance policy Mm. towards lgbtq plus um discrimination and any other forms of harassment um, within the workplace within the workplace Um, and i think this should be highlighted maybe in the recruitment process the onboarding process the employee handbook you know in the contract so Um, it's
0: interesting that you say highlighted in the recruitment process because i don't think that happens very much Mm, that's something that you know we we do talk about that as part of handbooks Or as part of a code of conduct and that, but you don't generally when you go out recruiting, you just see a paragraph saying how fluffy and woolly the the company is and how they're committed to Mm. D and I. But very rarely do you have those hard words of we have zero tolerance.
2: Yes, I think that it should be included along with serious consequences for non-compliance. You Mm. know, so Mm. um, I think it sends a really strong message um, to new recruits. Um, in terms of what behaviour is expected and, you know, um, the fact that, you know, the company will not tolerate any form of discrimination um, regardless of, you know, whether you belong to the LGBTQ plus community or another uh, mm. minority community.
0: And, w- and what other um, ways um, of knowing that they're, they're an inclusive company are there that you found?
2: Well, you know, th- there's... Um, things that organisations can do sort of, you know, which show their um, LGBTQ plus uh, credentials visibly. So, for example, having pronouns, um, you mm. know, on, on, on work badges and in email signatures, um, you know, um, wearing rainbow lanyards for example um you know having unisex toilets um in in your office building so those are all you know
0: typical gender fluid type yeah yeah gender neutral okay and so so when natasha was part of reach um she you did a lot of work here didn't you around introducing pronouns Mm. um and you had you did have some some discussions around that it's not just for the lgbt community
1: yeah i so i i have in my career (laughs) um come up against you know you know in in multiple kind of spheres people question why we need to talk about pronouns you always get that well why do we need to do that you know that's that's for those people they want to do that and I guess I always come back with, well, we're taught about pronouns for a really early age. You know, when you're at school, it's probably when you're five or six, you start learning she, her, 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 mm-hmm. her, whatever it is, um, he, him, and you are taught that that's the way you refer to people. So it's something that we all learn from very early, like school age, and actually, it's just a sign of respect and I think, you know, it's very easy, and I had a colleague previously whose name could be misconstrued for either pronoun, so um, she was a she, and um, when she signed her email off, often would get emails back with he, him, and it used to really, really grind, like, against me, Um, but by then her putting her kind of pronouns at the bottom, I mean, it did ease some of that, but I always use that example because it's just a sign of respect to just Mm. address people by the pronouns that they prefer and so it's less about um of course it's important to the LGBT community and it's a sign of safety and we know all of those kind of great benefits it has but for the person that maybe doesn't or isn't as connected to the LGBT community it's just a sign of respect and there's no you know we're not we're not kind of indoctrinating people in any certain way mm. of thinking but actually it just comes down to that basics and we often talk on the podcast about basics and bringing it back to simplicity and that's what it, that's what it is mm. isn't it yeah makes
0: sense makes sense sorry and we took you away from your the other other um other ways to show that it's an inclusive company
2: so, so, basically, just ensuring that all your policies in terms of the written language, you know, you use gender-neutral language. Mm. Um, and, you know, for example, j- just in making sure that your policies are um, not gender-biased. So, for example, ensuring that, you know, parental uh, leave is available um, for all parents and for same-sex partners as well. Um, you know, and alongside um, having... Um, healthcare benefits as well um that are available for people who may be transitioning um you know to show that you know you are inclusive and you do think about the wider needs of your workforce i think all those things are really important Mm.
0: um i think you also in the in the report mentioned about role models and visible role models are they important
2: absolutely absolutely so um it's important to have leaders who are you know um lgbtq plus role models but it's also important to have um um allies as well in senior leadership um who are not you know who are not only there to sponsor, say, your um, employee resource group or you know your network, mm. but who are also prepared to go and speak openly, um, you know, um, on LGBTQ plus matters. Um,
0: so, so to be active allies, yes. really, okay, mm. very
2: active, yeah. absolutely. Because um, I think all, all these um, pointers you know, we'll show your upcoming um, uh, new generations that, look, we are inclusive and we Mm. are trying. Mm. Um, You know, they have to go beyond, you know, rainbow washing just during Pride Month. Mm. You have to do it all year round. So, for example, um, you know, last month we had Trans Awareness Week. So it's about, um, you know, showing showing that you support... Um, all of those causes yeah. um year long a- absolutely year, yeah. year long and for example we have um world aids day mm-hmm. coming up this week this week on thursday um so for example my you work as a panel um and we explore you know how aids affects um professionals in the workplace so it, it's about looking out for those kind of um things that organizations can take part in and show that they care Mm -hmm. it's about supporting charities as well you know um you know in the lgbtq plus community um it's doing all those you know doing a bit in in those areas will show that you know Mm. you actually you know you actually do care as an organization um, and you are a real ally you're not just doing one campaign that says oh you know Yes, you know we're supporting the fun part of yeah. of, 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 of you know the yeah. LGBTQ plus world, which is pride, but not doing any more. I think yeah. well,
0: pride wasn't fun at the start; it was a protest. Yeah, they're trying to take it back yes. to be a protest. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, and and when we when we look at role models as well, it's important that um, people are real mod- real models or real role models as well. So sometimes we can put people up on a pedestal who are, have really an, an attainable life. Um, and, I, and I think that can often um, be a barrier to them being actual role models. So we say, oh, that's okay. You know, we have X, Y and Z people as Xx sponsor or, or whoever that might be. Actually, when we have LGBTQ plus people in our organisation and they, they look up, they actually don't see themselves in those positions. So it might, you know, we have to be really careful who we call role models.
2: Absolutely. I mean... You you make a very good point. I mean, I've seen role models, for example. (laughs) Absolutely. No, you make really good points. Absolutely, (laughs) Julie. Um, But 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 in terms of role models, um, it doesn't always have to be a person who belongs to the LGBT+ community. For example, I know um, companies whereby the executive sponsor of an ERG is, for example, um, someone in you know quite high leadership. But it could have been her. It's it's you know her child who's now an an adult who's transitioned. So you know um, she's very much an ally, ally, so I think they make really good um, role models too because she not only does uh, she's not only aware of the issues at home but she does a lot of work with charities helping you know um, young people and parents come to terms with you know um, some of the issues and the challenges um, that transitioning um you know um that people who go through transitioning um go through mm-hmm. yeah. and so um i think those allies are equally um as good and, and you know i think we've got so many more ceos who have you know mm. and and you know c-suite um lead- leaders who have now stepped up and and are you know actually being really good allies and, and it's on a, the agenda yes it's on the agenda absolutely and i think i think um Companies are realizing that it's 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 you know it's really important to have um, uh, people who are um, out and open because they can just be more authentic at work and mm. they are just simply mm. much more productive. They're happier, um, and, and you know. Th-
0: yeah, we were talking to Dame Kelly Holmes actually in one of our earlier episodes and um she was saying that she'd only just recently come out and the, the conversation was, you know, she that she brought to the table was, you know, how imagine how, how better she would have done. She did amazingly well, but yeah. if she hadn't have had that that, that that sort of weight on her all the time about hiding her true self it's just amazing you know what what could have been done because the the difference in performance it's been shown when you can be your authentic self in a workplace mm. um, is is without doubt um, and I'll just take you back to some of those um, report signposts that you were saying that in terms of you know what's a signpost to a, an inclusive company um, and you do mention. Um, employee resource groups um, so so do you feel that they are important to um, minority communities whether it's LGBT plus um, and, and is there a specific slant on Gen Z? you know do they want um, to have that safe space that psychological safety um, of an employee resource group when they come into new organizations?
2: I think that's a very interesting question, Julia. I have yet to hear of a Gen Z uh, employee resource group um, and there's no reason why a company shouldn't have one. Um, but I think what we're seeing now is a lot of ERGs um Rather than having being really too specific, they are becoming a bit more general, and I think um, they're trying to encourage um, a lot of mixing between yeah. um, employee resource groups to encourage education um, about different groups, and you know to encourage that learning and dialogue, so people do learn more, uh, learn more about each other and about the challenges that they face, and I think. Um, where it's happening in organisations that they're finding that, you know, um, people are gelling more and that they're finding that they have more in common you know Mm. that they have more in common than differences Mm. and that's helping the organization and teams so much more because they're focusing on the commonalities rather than
1: the differences Mm. yeah definitely I've seen seen it happen where actually people are part of one community it might be you know an ERG that's focused on race and ethnicity but actually you know they are a black female that's also a parent and therefore yeah Yeah. and that kind of crossover and seeing the really wonderful things that come from that you know and tying it to something so it could be actually you, you know you look at pride month but actually you then look at it through the lens of multiple Communities, rather than just the lgbtq plus community um and you know i saw we saw this year like great success from doing that and had the very wonderful simon blake come in and add the kind of mental health lens to it so you know i think i, I think you're right i think we're moving far more towards that very very blurred lines mm. um
0: yeah i was on um a discussion group yesterday actually with the CIPD talking about what the future of ERGs is and so and the organizations are very much at different stages aren't they so Mm. there's there's some sort of like the Deloits who are very advanced in their thinking and then moving away from the ERGs there's other organizations who are really early in their journey and have got nowhere safe safe for uh, no safe space sorry for their people to to raise their awareness to talk about um, these topics with like-minded people to be part of that group mm. so therefore there is a need for for them but um, I don't know I don't know what, what do you have any thoughts on the future of ERGs Pepe
2: I think ERGs came from the u.s And Mm. they're still very big there. And it's been something, I think, that the UK has adopted, especially the bigger organisations. And I think ERGs really do work, um, especially for certain groups, say, for example, um, the LGBTQ plus community or um, certain ethnicity groups, depending on, you know, how big um, the representation is within an organisation. But I think, you know, there are some organisations that simply cannot... Uh, accommodate um, those kind of safe spaces and so they they're they're creating safe spaces for example for well-being Mm. and mental health support Mm -hmm. which you know it's it's kind of again it's it's kind of bringing in all of those um, groups together and and dealing with issues that we all have in common so I think you know I'd like to see um, the future where there's no real need for ergs Mm. um Mm. but i think for now until you know until um some of some of the issues are solved and and you know we have fairer workplaces and we're able to treat you know all groups equally i think um ergs still have a role Mm -hmm. to play um
0: and plastic. especially, it seems, with Gen Zers. Is that we say? Gen Zers? Gen um, Zers. Gen, Gen Zers. <laughs> Gen Zers. Yeah, because they have cited it that, you know, that's, for them, a sign that it's an inclusive company. What I thought was really interesting um, is that only two, two or three percent of the respondents thought that a sign of an inclusive company was that they had diverse and inclusive marketing materials. That's fascinating, considering how much they're seeing money through it all. That's <laughs> yeah, why, because yeah, yeah, they're seeing it, through it all. Yeah, yeah, which is fascinating <laughs> because companies immediately think, let's throw money at yeah. a, a brochure and show show our ways yep.
1: let's get loads of um diverse people and put yeah. them in a book get yeah. them to talk about it and yeah yeah well um you know you
2: can't fool um no. you know d- our upcoming generations they're too smart for us they are and they can see through um yeah they can see through uh, the anything that, yeah anything that's not real so i think um organizations just have to be smarter and work harder mm. and really being inclusive um yeah because they can see they can see through the the marketing mm-hmm. um, they will dig deeper and you know they will i mean they know now what to look for you've got yeah. you've got the universities and the student bodies telling them um how to spot yeah <laughs> you really, have if, you if, have
1: and i think i think so i um So I do, I mentor people and it always makes me laugh saying that because I'm like, what are you talking about, Natasha? Um, But having had, I'm on my third round now of mentees from um, Manchester Met Uni and the things that these students are talking to me about, I'm going, sometimes I don't know what, you know, I'm going, you need to explain certain things to me. I'm really impressed by like the way that they're working, the things that they're thinking about and really challenging me. And I mean, it's brilliant because I do learn an awful lot, Um, but it is a very different place to when I was at uni and when I was coming out of school and things I was thinking about and they are just so switched on they
2: are they're they're really switched on and you know they're they're not only looking at uh, um at a company's diversity and inclusion credentials they're also looking in terms of well-being and how supportive they are in terms of health um and you know well-being benefits and they simply don't want to join the rat race no they 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 really do want to work life balance
0: yeah, and, and it's important for them, it seems to be, um, to work for a company that socially is responsible. Yes. So more and more now, D, E and I is being linked with ESG, yep. which is Environment, uh, Social and Governance. governance. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now... We we see in the UK anyway. There's more and more um, activity. If you're a PLC, that you have to show ESGs linked with DNI. So, it is it which way is it? Is it those those Gen Zers who are you know changing the workforce, or is it the the organisations or the in charge of mm. companies who like actually change, it? or are they all meeting in the middle? Yeah. And hopefully, we will get a really balanced and enthused workforce who and we, with companies that are doing some brilliantly social responsible work
2: absolutely so there's lots of research out there um, that that is pointing to generation z they really um want to work for companies who are um serious about you know the climate act they're taking you know climate action they're looking after the environment and they're looking after the um the needs of their staff um in terms of as consumers as well they're really careful about who they buy from so yeah so if you're a company that's not treating your staff well and that's not treating the environment very well they are really not going to Mm. want to work for you or buy
1: or Mm. buy from you so um, we have seen that we've seen you know the protests and the stuff that's being posted on Mm -hmm. social media but equally you know look at it's Patagonia isn't it who've just um they've just um sold the company and it's all kind of going into social um benefits i i don't know the full thingy i will put a a news link in the bottom of the podcast but um they have just kind of been in the in the press for this very thing for
2: this very thing absolutely so so yes so um it's a it's a really you know they're really interested in social justice um and they really are interested in fair playing organizations um you know who yeah who who, um not only behave ethically um sort of um all all round in terms of their you know the way that they um do business the way that they source um materials the Mm -hmm. way that they treat their employees um and the way that they market as well you know companies really need to be authentic in in everything they do and as we've said before generations they they're really switched on mm. um you know you you can't pull the wool over their eyes
1: so what's next so we've got generation alpha coming coming next after gen Zers. um so what they're currently um born in or or after 2010 which is the same year the ipad was born wow <laughs> wow It'll be interesting to see what what mm. influence they will start
0: having. Mm. Have you got any any thoughts, Pepe, on the aging workforce and how different they are then to Gen Z?
2: So the aging workforce now that's um, a really interesting one because um, there's a lot of ageism in the workplace right now. I mean, um, yes, the workforce is aging, and a lot of um, we saw a lot of people. Um, sort of 45 plus leave the workforce uh, during covid Mm. um, for various reasons whether you know they decided to leave for health reasons or they took early retirement Um, you know we've basically seen a huge exodus in terms of the aging population now um, that's left a huge dent in the talent market as we know Mm. uk employees are really grappling to um Fill their vacancies. Mm, we've, we've got a yeah. you know, huge. We've got a really short. We've um, got a really tight talent supply. So um, companies not only do they need to obviously work harder to attract new recruits, the younger generations, because we simply don't have enough to replace the aging population. Mm. But also, companies really do need to work harder at um, retaining and recruiting older workers. Um, I think we had a piece. Um, Fair play talks, um, which described um, work, you know, workplace ageism as um, morally wrong and um, fiscally irresponsible, um, which is true because just in two years' time, I believe. 50% of our workers will be 50-plus, apparently, wow. in the UK. So, wow. So, yes, yeah, so, so we uh, need more to More
0: incoming work- talk about the menopause. <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I think oh that's, the, that, that's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, but it set I, her off. <laughs> 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 yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we've got this uh, huge problem where... We've got a really good um, um, talent supply of older workers who want to work, um, who will actually take a uh, drop in salary to change their career Mm. um, and they are um, prepared to retrain. Mm. So I think um, companies are really missing a trick not um, taking care of older workers because, you know, right now, um, you know, we, because of Brexit, we, we can't, you know, it's not so easy to employ um, people from Europe. And, you know, we have to rely on what talent we have, um, If if companies are, you know, going to get out of this talent shortage. So I think... That's a really interesting one. So on the wor- on the one hand, work harder to retain and recruit older workers, but also um, work harder to attract, you know, the new generations. So they've got to really work at it from from both ends, and also obviously work hard <laughs> to retain <laughs> the people in yeah, the middle. You know, yeah. the millennials, because the baby boomers are going. Um, mm-hmm. So it's to keep the millennials and the gen the, the the generation X. You know, it's sort of keeping them happy as mm-hmm. well and retaining them, but.
0: Um, well, that that's a that's a great question though isn't it so so how do we do that we've got we've got polarized groups in terms of age how do we bring them all together how do, or do we need to bring them all together do we need to have different strategies to to recruit and retain mm. different groups or do we go through a um with A lens that i i use quite a lot in terms of the inclusion lens that it's a behavior so everybody acts inclusively and that's that's a behavior therefore you don't have to specifically be um, go towards a specific group that everybody just wants to be have a safe space and be authentic be uh, be the person that they want to be or can be um and do some good in a a role doesn't matter what part of a group you come from or do we need to be specific?
2: I think I think it's a bit of both. So I think, uh, you know, you do raise a, a, another good point. I think generally, I think it doesn't matter what group you belong to, whether you're an older worker or you identify with the LGBTQ plus community or from another minority group. At the end of the day, we all just want to be treated fairly mm-hmm. and work mm-hmm. for an organisation that values us and are prepared to train us. And, you know, um, there's a fair exchange between the two, um, so you know you're you're flexible and and you know you're offering the kind of benefits. That each group wants, but to be able to do that, I think you do have to um, then be a bit more strategic because different groups will want different things. So, for example, you know, if you're a parent, you're going to want to ha- you're going to want more flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a you know a, a, G- a Gen Zer, you will want you know more well being benefits perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. And again, if you're from the older generation, perhaps again you know um, you want you know you want training to be a benefit. So, I think. Um, you you will have to do a bit of both you have to be you have to work harder at being inclusive and i think you know um not being inclusive today is um being um you know fiscally irresponsible if you like Mm. you know i think all companies need to work harder to be inclusive um and and yes, you know, be a bit more strategic, find out what each group wants. And if you can, um, find a middle ground by doing your research um, and offer, you know, generations that work for all, you know, all, all the work, all the multi-generations that, that work for you. That's great. Um, but it's about finding what works for you as an organisation.
1: I mean, we've been saying it for years, haven't we? You know, DNI makes business sense, mm-hmm. but I think, like you say, it's, you know, for a responsible business now you have got to be thinking inclusively and behaving inclusively and and it then just comes back down to being authentic and meaningful and in, in what you're doing and what you're saying um you know I think if you're a leader certainly that wants to still be here in the next five to ten years then you have got to Get behind, be involved, and do it in an authentic way, um, and connect and resonate with it. Because otherwise, you're going to get left behind. That's the only way, Natasha. You've hit the nail on the head. That's the
2: only way. Um, mm. That's the only way of the future, really. If you want to be a uh, a business that still wants to be a business, yeah, you know, that's the only way to operate. I think inclusion is the key, and it's it's a it's a really important value that that organisations cannot should not forget about
1: and uh, I think we I think just going going back to what we were, what you were just saying previously about you know what people want from from the working world we're seeing now this kind of what, what people are terming boomerang so people will start in an organization they spend some time maybe a couple of years they love what they do but then there's an opportunity so they go out and get a different role different company they learn another set of skills and then they come back to the original company with all of those skills potentially in a more senior role um and I also think that's a mindset shift as well for leaders because, um, you know, gone are the days where someone like puts a resignation and you're know, dead to me. Um, <laughs> you know, that cannot be the case anymore. You know, people have to work with their with their leavers, work with their alumni, keep that reputational um, positivity because, they are your they are potentially your your workforce of the future and if you can leave them on good terms and they leave you as a brand advocate going actually my onboard was great my experience was great the culture was awesome when I left they waved me said good luck and they still stayed in touch that's also the future
0: and PwC do that really well don't they Mm. they've got a great alumni process Yeah.
1: yeah definitely and I think that's where we should all be kind of aiming towards right
2: Yeah, absolutely. I I don't think um, companies can behave um, in the old way, in the old traditional way. um, And and they should always leave the door open, Mm. especially for good employees who they're really sad to see go. You want them to come back, Mm. Um, you know, let them go, um, you know, wish them well, um, you know, and but, you know, leave the door open, because especially for good talent, because you know as you say they are your future employees and also they're still ambassadors of your organisation once they go you still want them to speak well of your organisation to um, other potential recruits and you know you still want them to be really waving your flag as well Mm. Um, a good manager and a good leader will will behave in the way that you've just suggested so yeah absolutely
0: yeah so um, we always say as part of our podcast that um, inclusion is an action um, and we always ask our guests if you can give a top tip <laughs> or an inclusive action that you'd like to share with our listeners
2: well I guess the tip from me would be to be um to be a good ally but not just a good ally be a proactive one um, you know be a pro- proactive one um, Some people say to me, you know, they don't get involved um, in terms of with other groups, you know, because they're too frightened of saying the wrong thing um, or sticking up for someone. Um, But, you know, there are lots of resources out there to help you be a good and proactive ally. You know, um, there's like Fair Play Talks, there's My G Work, You know, which offer free resources to um, not only learn about different groups, but also you know how to be a good ally and the benefits of allyship. Um, You know, I think so. If there is someone in your organization, you know, they can be older than you, younger than you. Um, uh, They don't have to be from necessarily from a, a different minority group. It can just be a different age group. Just. You know, find out a bit more about them, talk to them, because that's the only way um, really we can learn more about each other Mm. and, you know, be there for each other. And I think once you do that by being allies, you, um, you know, you can stand up for them and you can help stamp out, um, you know, um, discrimination, bad behavior um, and, you know, just be a good member of the
0: team. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome thank you so much thank
1: Thank you. you you can find us on twitter our handles are in the show notes below and if you've liked what you've heard please rate us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to get new episodes automatically thanks for listening